This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, let's get paid. Let's get paid. So now it's time for our second case. I have nothing to disclose. Objective. And we'll start off with AZ. This is a patient I had in September last year. It was a 55-year-old male presenting to the ED today after he was found down at the local 7-Eleven. He states that he does heroin. Police were called. They administered naloxone, two milligrams intranasally. And per EMS, when they received the patient, he was more alert than what police described prior to the naloxone administration. He's currently somnolent in your ED, slightly arousable to painful stimuli. And then these are his vitals. So his blood pressure is 78 over 54, heart rate 52, temp is 98.6, respiratory rate 7, and O2 stats 93%. All right, we're making this interactive. So what would you do? Shout it out. You guys are doing this every day, right? This can't be the first time you've seen a patient with a heroin overdose. Fluids and Narcan, yes. Okay, so how do you want to um, approach the Narcan for this patient? So we're going to get fluids, right? We're hypotensive, MAPS like 62. What do you want to do with the naloxone? You have IV access, it's a dream. We're done with the intranasal right now. Okay, so two IV we could do. Um, We could also do 0.04, right? And then incrementally administer it. Um, for your patient until respiratory rate recovers. Okay, so we do it. Oops. <laughs> so now it's been four hours, and after fluids and several repeat doses of naloxone, he's still somnolent. His blood pressure is a little better. It's 96 over 62. Heart rate's still 55, so still a little bradycardic. Temp's 98.6, respiratory rate's 9, and his O2 stat's a little bit better. It's 96%. The team says to you, what should we do? <laughs> All right, so his respiratory rate is still nine. Um, so just looking at this, right, he's still bradycardic. Um, he's still somnolent, and it's four hours later. So what are some of your thoughts? What do you think is going on with this patient? And it might vary depending on where you're at in the country. Got it out louder? Okay, so it could be fentanyl. What else could it be? I think I heard it. Maybe it's xylazine, right? So we still have patient that is somnolent, still has a little bit of respiratory depression despite multiple doses of naloxone um, and bradycardic and has been hypotensive. Cool. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about xylazine. So this might be different depending on where you're at in the country. You might have had experience with it and you might not have. So we're going to do a little bit of a poll. Um, but xylazine, so it's a sedative, anesthetic, muscle relaxant, and analgesic that's used in veterinary settings. Um, I thought my slides were a little bit boring, so I have um, scared animals in some of the corners of the pictures. <laughs> um, there's a lot of rabbit and horse studies with xylazine, so when you PubMed it, beware that that's what you're going to get. Um, it's frequently found in fentanyl and heroin and areas specifically in the Northeast, but now it's making its way across the country. Patients commonly refer to it as trank, trank dope, zombie drug, sleep cut, and Philly dope. And we'll go into a little bit about why Philadelphia has a special kind of exposure. Um, it's thought to prolong euphoric effects and patient experiences are mixed. 
So what is xylazine? Xylazine is actually a uh, synthetic alpha-2 adrenergic agonist. It's structurally very similar to clonidine and dexmedetomidine. Its pharmacokinetic properties I have listed here, but remember this is more used in animal settings. So these are animal uh, pharmacokinetics. So onset is really quick. The half-life from animal data is about 23 to 50 minutes. The clinical duration of effects is about eight hours or more, um, but the elimination is rapid. And xylazine has been around for quite some time. It first came to market in 1962, where it was developed. It actually was seen in human trials to have a lot of CNS depressant effects. So that's why it was never approved for human use. And usually it's just used um, in animal settings, like our scared horse in the corner over here. Um, in the early 2000s, we started seeing long-standing um, presence in opioids in Puerto Rico, and then it started making its way up to Philadelphia. So if you look at the data, a lot of it comes out of Philly. And in 2021, xylazine was found in over 90% of drug samples in Philadelphia. So here we can see xylazine positivity in overdose deaths, and this is across the country. This was um, published last year. And you can see the um, red and the orange, that's where you see over 10% of deaths that were associated with um, xylazine that had positive um, xylazine present, and that's more so in the Northeast. And here you can also see the climbing charts of uh, presence of xylazine and overdose deaths by jurisdiction and year. So um, you can see that on the bottom, uh, the x-axis of all these charts, it's 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 21, um, that's where you're starting to see its increase over the last few years. So we're seeing it a ton more. This is um, being alerted by the FDA, the, um, it's by Congress, and even there's articles in the New York Times. Um, as far as the clinical presentation, so it's really similar to dexmedetomidine, to clonidine presentation, right? We're going to see sedation, bradypnea, bradycardia, and hypotension, but there's also this presence of skin soft tissue and wounds. Um, I have a picture listed here to the bottom right. What's interesting is it can range anything from cellulitis, abscess, to skin necrosis and osteo. Um, and it actually does occur frequently independently of injection sites. Uh, there's some thought that maybe it's related to levamisole. There's no clear mechanism to why these patients are experiencing these skin soft tissue infections, but obviously they're super gross and we have to manage them. Um, so symptomatic care. So has anybody had a patient that has um, talked to them about use of xylazine? I'm seeing a few head nods. Um, so in case you haven't, there is this really cool article about um, patients that describe their experiences from Reddit. Um, on the, the chart on the left-hand side, you can see the adverse effects from xylazine use. They describe increased overdoses and passing out in 81% of patients, wound infections in 43% and so on. And then in the table on the right-hand side, the major themes related to Reddit posts about xylazine, 53% of, of um, experiencers have described use with other drugs. And then 24% talk about uh, their sentiment of xylazine, so positive or negative effects. Specifically, one saying, I effing love xylazine. I love it. I was so upset if my Fenty wasn't cut with it. And here is our um, the only trial that really describes patients' clinical outcomes and experiences with it. So as we know, more patients are seen in the Northeast. Um, and then they looked at patients that experienced that tested positive for xylazine versus xylazine being absent. And they actually surprisingly found that patients that had xylazine um, that tested positive, had decreased rates of cardiac arrest, 
um, and decreased rates of um, CNS suppression coma within four hours. And the authors hypothesized this could be for a few reasons. Number one, um, we're going to talk about testing, but testing is actually really, really difficult. In, um, and it might be metabolized off quicker than we can actually test for. But also, we don't know the dose um, and the amount of presence as well. So testing is not readily available. Um, we obviously have to send, send it to labs, um, and clinically, it's going to not change our practice at all. It's also eliminated rap rapidly, so it may be difficult to obtain samples. Our overall management is just awareness. Um, this is not naloxone resistance, right? We're not going to keep giving naloxone over and over and over again and not seeing effect. We need to just know that this is present and could be in your patient. Um, and then also supportive care, right? For altered mental status, hypotension, bradycardia. Uh, it's really difficult to decide what the disposition for your patient is going to be because we have unreliable kinetics in humans and lack of real-time testing. Um, what's more interesting, I think, is what we're going to be seeing more in the future is how to manage withdrawal. So the approach really would be more like quantity and withdrawal, which we're all a little bit more familiar with, managing the hypertension, agitation, anxiety, irritability, and restlessness. Closes it. Ozzy scratches his head. Whatever she's looking for, it isn't in there. Perfect, perfect, perfect.